Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Welcome to 2020, friends. Jen here. And as always, with me for episode number seven is my good buddy, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Happy New Year, April. Happy New Year, Jen. Is it getting off to a good start? It is getting off to a good start. Excellent. How about for you? What's new for you in 2020 so far? Mine's getting off to a fantastic start because I have my Honeycomb Collective scheduler. And what do you think of it? Here, I'm showing I'm showing you mine. I sent yeah. you a picture and I'm showing it to you. Lovely. The people can't see it, but yes, I'm very, very excited about it. It is everything I dreamed of and more. Oh, good. So I'm very happy to give another unsolicited testimonial to new advertisers on Eco Collective LLC. (laughs) New advertisers, we hope. (laughs) Yes, right. No, no, it's fantastic. Collective. Totally recommend it to everybody. (laughs) And it has your personal transits for each day. And it also has what we call the mundane transits, which is just transits for everybody that are going on a day. And it is fantastic and beautiful. And I'm really happy. So I'm getting ready to, I still haven't had a minute to sit down and plot my world domination for 2020. (laughs) But now that I have the appropriate scheduler and planner, I can get in there and do that. You have the right tools in your tool belt. I do. I'm really, really excited about this. That's fantastic. Yeah. I will put a link in the show notes once again this week. I did last week as well to Honeycomb Collective Mm -hmm. so that everybody can see their lovely astrology calendars. Well, I recommend it highly, and it's actually not that expensive for something that's really customized and beautiful. I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. Yes. So how bad can 2020 possibly be? Well, let's hope for the best. Well, yes. We know how bad it could be. We'll talk about Saturn (laughs) Pluto again later. But for now, we have our scheduler. I'm kind of happy to see 2019 go out the door, I have to confess. I think many people share that sentiment with you. It definitely had its challenges. And the other thing is that, well, I told you, of course, we were going to be binging over the holidays on something on Netflix. What did you choose? The Repair Shop. Never heard of it. It's on Netflix. You must watch it because apparently English people fixing stuff is just what my life has been missing. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's this little crew of master tradesmen that work in this beautiful old thatched roof barn looking kind of a thing somewhere in England. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody that fixes ceramics and somebody that fixes clocks and someone that does wood. And my Virgo planets are over the moon. Oh, I was going to ask what they repair. It sounds from the title like they repair cars, but they do not. They just repair all kinds of other stuff. Heirlooms. People will bring things in, you know, family heirlooms or what was the recent one? A clock that doesn't work Mm. or even paintings that are restored right in front of you. Very cool. It's fantastic. A teddy bear. It's really magical. And there's just something so... Mm, satisfying to the Mars and Virgo to say, oh, I love a before and after. Love it. I do too. And they're little master craftsmen. It's so wonderful. So yeah, my life is, everything's coming up great for me at the moment. Yeah. Because I have my scheduler and I have the repair shop. That's great. Yeah. Getting started on the right foot. I think I really am. Yeah. Feeling very good about it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, what's happening astrologically this week? There are a few things we're going to talk about. This is, of course, the big Saturn-Pluto conjunction week. Right. 
Right. We talked quite a lot about that last time. We'll touch on it towards the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. But we'll begin with talking about transiting Jupiter, which of course is in Capricorn, making a conjunction with the moon's south node. And if people want to hear more about Jupiter in Capricorn, they can listen to the episode titled Falstaff in a Business Suit, which I think was episode two. I think it was. And that's a very good memory, Jen. Well, your producer has the lowdown on the episode. The lowdown on the high up is what you've got. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've talked about the lunar nodes a bit, too. And I'd be really impressed if you could break that out of an episode. I don't know exactly where we might have discussed that. That was two weeks ago when we were talking about eclipses. Oh. So that would be episode five, I believe, <laughs> Unboxing Eclipses. Any other questions about our no. episodes? <laughs> I'm so impressed. I was messing with you. I <laughs> That'll teach me. Yes, that's right. We did do an extensive talk about the lunar nodes because they're so much connected with eclipses. Mm -hmm. And of course, this week, we'll also talk about the lunar eclipse that we're having, which is a bit of a monster. Yeah. So we'll talk about those. So Jupiter conjunct the south node. If one could picture the Earth going around the sun from a bird's eye view, and then if you could picture the moon going around the Earth, the point where those two paths meet are the nodes, correct? Right. Because they're a little perpendicular to each other. Right. So there are these two points where they meet. And astrologically, we tend to say that the south node is a letting go point and that the north node is where we bring new things in. Okay. The south node did already make some connections with Saturn and Pluto in 2019. Okay. In fact, on April 3rd and 4th, we had the south node connecting with both those planets. Huh. So that was a really powerful week. So it's possible that ripples from early April 2019 might reverberate around January 8th then? Is that true? That is my thinking because Saturn-Pluto has been such a difficult combination and are fairly difficult planets. And Jupiter, to me, is like a soothing balm mm. that's coming along that's going to cross that point and bringing some context, some learning, the ability to believe again and to be optimistic in the wake of those difficult connections back in April in particular. It's kind of a healing. It's the planetary version of the repair shop. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to Netflix. <laughs> Welcome new advertiser, Netflix. <laughs> Our second sponsor, Netflix. Yeah. Because so. we have recommended other Netflix shows on this podcast. In fact, in episode number yeah. one, <laughs> we talked about, oh, I can't think of the title of we it. We talked about The Crown. Thank you, The Crown. In episode one, we talked about The Crown. Everything comes back to Netflix on this show. Yeah. So that is what I'm thinking of Jupiter crossing that point. And that's on January 8th. Okay. It's not that all our problems are solved. It's not that things leave the repair shop looking like they're brand new. Mm -hmm. They still have, you know, little vestiges of the worn spots or the cracks or whatever to remind us of the history of getting through what's been a kind of a difficult year. But Jupiter comes along and at least says, yes, but there is something we can learn from this. Yeah. And there's always tomorrow. I like the sound of that. I like the repair shop analogy because it really can give you a visual of what that could look like. And in the repair shop, they're also happy and there's such a sense of bonhomie and it's very Jupiterian. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of there's a Japanese art of repairing broken pottery mm. by putting them back together with some type of gold or other types of metals. And what you wind up with then, and I can put a link to this in the show notes, is remembering that part of the history of this object was also a breaking down 
but that you can rebuild it again. The cracks become something really beautiful with the gold in it. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. So that's very much the energy of Jupiter going with the south node, the letting go of what's been difficult, the contextualizing, the healing, and moving forward with the knowledge of what we've been through, but the sense that tomorrow can be better. So the other thing that we have this week that I wanted to talk about is that full moon lunar eclipse Yeah, at 20 degrees of Cancer. You did tell us during the eclipse episode, two episodes ago, that that would be happening. And here we are already. And here we are. Yeah. What can you tell us? Well, just to recap real quickly, lunar eclipses always happen at a full moon. And it's the only time they can happen. And this one is at 20 degrees of Cancer. And I thought I would throw in the Sabian symbols today. Have we talked about the Sabian symbols on this show? We have not. The ah. Sabian symbols are actually on my list of things that someday we should do a mini episode about. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I refer to them a lot in my weekly columns. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I thought it might be good to just touch on that real quickly and say the history of the Sabian symbols because they have their origins in my fair San Diego. Oh. Ah, really? Yes. There was a psychic named Elsie Wheeler, and she sat with an astrologer named Mark Edmund Jones at Balboa Park under some tree. We don't know what tree, but I have my suspicions. And she channeled a word picture for each degree of the zodiac. So there are 360 degrees to the zodiac, Mm -hmm. 30 for each sign, and each of them has their own little word picture. These are called the Sabian symbols. And the one for this full moon, lunar eclipse, the picture is a prima donna singing. Okay. And that will become important later on when we're talking about the Sabian symbol for the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. So just bear in mind, this is about a prima donna singing. So as we said, we talked at great length in episode five about eclipses, and we talked about how to place them in a house of your chart and an aspect to your planets and how you can get a lot of information about the particular eclipse for you from looking at those things. Right. With this one, I wanted to start with just the chart for the eclipse itself. At the moment that an eclipse happens, you cast the chart for it, depending on where you are. So you cast it, obviously, for San Diego, since that's where you are. For San Diego. So the house placements in this chart are not as important because they're very specific to your location, to your city. But the configuration of the planets themselves can be very telling about the energy of the eclipse. And this one's a doozy. Okay. (laughs) This one has... So the eclipse Buckle up, everyone. Here we go. It (laughs) is. So the degrees of the sun and the moon are 20 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn, because the sun's in Capricorn and the moon is in Cancer. Mm -hmm. But that sun in Capricorn is very close to the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Oh. Which means so is the moon. Right. The eclipsed moon. So it really is accentuating and bringing to a head this Saturn-Pluto stuff. Wow. This is the precipitating event that really kicks off that conjunction. It's two days in advance of the conjunction, but this is when it really starts to pick up steam. Okay. And can I throw something in here, actually? Mm -hmm. Because we have listeners in 44 countries right now, I thought it would be interesting for people to know where it's happening on Earth. Because it's happening during the day for most of us in the United States, but not Alaska. Okay. But it is visible in Africa, Asia, Europe, and Australia. And I can post a link to the map for that in the show notes. That's a good idea. Yeah. 
Thank you for that. Yeah, we won't say it here because as you correctly say, it's in the middle of the day, so we're not really seeing the moon. So back to the lineup then of planets. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? (laughs) What does it all mean? Lunar eclipses, as we were saying before, is a time, you know, where the Earth is casting a shadow on the moon. So earthly considerations tend to take precedence over lunar ones. Our intuition, our sense of emotion, emotional accessibility, feeling. Yeah. So having the earth taking precedence over that, as I've phrased it before, is trying to find earthly solutions to emotional problems. It's like people going into the repair shop because everything comes back to the repair shop today. (laughs) Whether we want it to or not, I'm obsessed with this show. (laughs) I must watch this show. Well, you must. Because what's really striking about it is how many people come into the repair shop with some little broken object. And of course, the whole thing is never about the object. It's about the story behind the object, Mm. the emotions, the person who owned it, the ancestors who owned it before them and have passed it down, the desire to have something to give. There was one episode where a little girl who was like two years old and her mother had died tragically at a very young age. So the little girl was never going to know her mother. Mm. But there was this object that had been passed down through the maternal line of the family. And the grandfather wanted to make sure his granddaughter got this object. So it's all about the emotional Mm, stuff. That's sweet. Yeah, behind the physical objects. So while on one hand, we might be doing a lot of things at the beginning of the year to nail down the physical aspects of our lives, the worldly aspects of our lives, plotting in our little planners and schedules, figuring out what we want to accomplish in the year ahead Mm -hmm. in terms of our career success or money or relationships, whatever it is. We tend to think at the beginning of the year, because the sun is in Capricorn, that all of our happiness depends on getting the material and external dimensions of our life nailed down just so. And a lunar eclipse has a similar feeling sometimes. Instead of paying attention to the inner life in the way that we probably should, It's easier to externalize and think about what's going on outside us. I guess what I would say with this lunar eclipse, it's very powerful, the moon being in its own sign, in Cancer, is that it's a time to make sure that you're paying a little bit of attention to your inner life and to what's really going on underneath the surface. Is it about your career success or is it about what your external success means to you internally? And how you're feeling about those things. Mm. Family dynamics are also usually accentuated around these eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn, because those are very family-oriented signs. Matters related to history, to your community, the community you were born into. These are all soil that's getting turned over at this lunar eclipse. If you want to go back to previous eclipses at this degree to see if there's some connective tissue there. Mm -hmm. We had a solar eclipse at this degree really recently in July of 2018. So you can think back to that. That wasn't that long ago. No. And then we had a total lunar eclipse at this degree close to it January 9th, 2001, Mm. and one on January 9th, 1982. So those would be the dates around that. And we're saying a couple of months either side of that. If people want to go back and kind of think about it and think about what was important in their life, where things were with their career, with their family, those kinds of things. And is there a thread for you that weaves through this tapestry? I hadn't thought about it, Jen. I don't know what was happening in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cancer is a very sensitive sign. So sometimes the things that are associated with these eclipses are a little bit painful. Yeah. And you would look at the house that it's in. For me, it's in the eighth house, which is a little bit of a sensitive house as well. Oh, yeah. And a little bit about psychological functions and uh-huh. how you're feeling about that area of your life. 
I know 1982 was a very, very difficult year for me. Oh. <laughs> uh, and probably around that time, a lot of relationship difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I was young, you know, I was at yeah. that age where a lot of things change anyway. And I wasn't managing it super well. Mm-hmm. And I think I might actually have gone into therapy for the first time now that I think about oh, it at about that age. Yeah. That's an eighth house thing. That is an eighth house thing. Yeah. yeah. And 2001, all any of us remember about 2001 is September. So it's a little hard to remember what was happening before that. I was in school. I know that. But if one sits and really thinks about it some more and gathers some information, you'll usually see some kind of connection there. Mm -hmm. And this one doesn't really aspect anything in my chart real closely. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably one of the less sensitive ones. But if you have something in your chart between about 16 and 24 degrees, of cancer, this one will be a more active one for you. Or Libra or Aries. Aries. I didn't forget you, Aries. I didn't forget you this time. Yay! Well done, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) We know you love them. We know you secretly love them. I do. Your opposite side. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that's kind of really all I had to say about this eclipse is emotionally, possibly a little bit of a challenging week, mm-hmm. paying attention to what's going on inside you. Yeah. And so I notice on the show sheet that you have a few other dates on here that were related to this eclipse. And is there a reason that you mentioned the 1982, 2001, and 2018? I think because they were really precisely around this degree. I see. Okay. And the one in 82 and the one in 2001 were on pretty much the same date, like within one day. Mm-hmm. The other one was at the opposite point. It was a solar eclipse. So it was in the summer. So that's why I picked those out. Yeah. But also, if you want to go back to 72 and 73, there were some in there around that degree and also in 91 and 2010. So okay. that's the through line yeah, cool. for this eclipse. And can I ask you about the moon being in Cancer and Saturn being in Capricorn? Both of those planets rule those signs that they're in. Mm-hmm. What does that story tell us? Yeah, it's a battle of the titans. It's like mom oh. and dad facing <laughs> off, right? I mean, two really strong parental images in the chart. Uh-huh, they're, yeah. they're equally strong and in their own domicile, we would say. Mm-hmm. So does one of them have an advantage? I would say the moon does slightly in as much as it's in the same sign as the north node. Okay. And the Capricorn planets are on the losing end of that scenario at the moment being in the same sign as the south node which again this is this is like the i don't know it's a lot of capricorn stuff all piled up together it is and so much of it leaning on that south node and saying this is the old stuff this is the old way this is the old path Mm -hmm. and we talked about the path that we've built in my front yard couple of episodes ago. Right. It was a concrete path, very Saturnian, very Capricornian. And it was cracking because these beautiful trees, either side of it, the roots are pushing it up. Mm-hmm. It was time for that path to go. And we couldn't have a, the same path in its place because it was just going to get broken again right. over and over. It was the wrong material for that location. It couldn't really serve our needs. It wasn't something you could fill with gold dust. No. <laughs> and the moon in Cancer speaks more of what we replaced it with is wood and something kind of organic and flowing with the, with the environment. It's a cool-looking path. Thank you. We're really, really happy with it. Yeah. If you want to, friends, you can go back to episode five, and there's a picture of it in the show notes. It's beautiful. It is a thing of beauty. He did a great job, but it's a little bit steep on one end, so he still has to retrofit it a little bit so we don't go toppling off. (laughs) But it is pretty exciting. So the same day we have this eclipse, too, Uranus is going to change direction. It is 
slowing down, stopping to turn direct because it's been retrograde for low these many months since August, I think. And as a planet, what can you tell us about Uranus in terms of the meaning behind it astrologically? Well, we say it's the planet of awakening. Where we have been sleeping, it will wake us up. And in that sense, it's very much like an eclipse. Hmm. I think of eclipses as being Uranian because they serve a similar function. Some crisis comes along to wake us up. Uranus does a similar thing. And as I've said before, when these slow-moving outer planets are actually changing direction on the day they turn retrograde or they turn direct, that's when we notice the energy. Because they're retrograde so much of the time Mm -hmm. that on a day-to-day basis, we wouldn't necessarily pay attention to whether Uranus is retrograde or direct. But when it's changing direction, it's significant. So having that on the same day as the eclipse, to me, supercharges the eclipse and says this is a critical moment when we are awakened in some way. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, see, it sounds kind of exciting in a a little bit of a creepy way. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) A little bit of a scary way. But, you know, an awakening, to look at it from the other end, an awakening can be something really positive in the end, even if it's difficult at first. Absolutely. And that's the message of Uranus. And it's the message of eclipses. Sometimes the only way the universe can get our attention is to throw something challenging and unforeseen in our path. And that's what Uranus will usually do. And Uranus is a little bit odd as a planet. It actually rotates on its side, Mm -hmm. on its axis. He's an oddball. Mm -hmm. And he represents the ways in which we are oddballs and how comfortable we can be with that, with doing things differently than everybody around us, marching to the beat of our own drummer, if you will. Yeah. So if you go back to, say, May of... 2018, which is when Uranus initially went into Taurus. Okay. It hasn't made it very far because it goes forward and then it goes back and then it goes forward again. And it is a slower moving planet taking about 84 years to go around the sun. Yep. So he takes his time to make his little victory lap. Yeah. So that'll be an exciting day. And all of that leads up to the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Right. I've been thinking about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction since we spoke last week about it. Tell me your thoughts. Well, I've been thinking about it like a phoenix a little bit, Mm -hmm. because Pluto breaks things down for the purpose of transformation, Mm -hmm. and Saturn's all about stability and structure and building things in a structurally sound way. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminds me of the phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. Jen's two cents on Saturn-Pluto. I will take those two cents right to the bank, because I think that's pretty aptly put. We covered it in, in great detail in our last episode, and I'm not sure I have a whole lot more that I want to add to that, other than to say we are here at last. Mm-hmm. And the Sabian symbol for this degree is two awards for bravery and war. There's an astrologer I very much like named Blaine Bovey, and he writes a blog almost exclusively about the Sabian symbols. He's really brilliant. We'll put, a, we'll put a link in the show notes, as we always say. Yes. And what he said about this Sabian symbol was really interesting to me because what he said is, picture you have two soldiers who have returned from war, and one of them is, I'm paraphrasing terribly here, but it's one is making a great show of his heroic acts and how brave he was and how fabulous. Okay. And the other one who maybe was more brave, was more courageous, is very modest and very quiet about it. Mm-hmm. So this is a degree that has a little something about blowing our own horn or quietly knowing that we have done our best mm-hmm. in whatever situation. You look to the house that Saturn Pluto was falling in for you, 
And it struck me too because two awards for bravery in war, two soldiers, we have two planets, Saturn and Pluto. Yeah. So one of them is the the one that's making all the noise and the other one that's very quietly in the background really doing the work. And I would tend to think that quiet and in the background sounds very Plutonian. Mm. <laughs> in the background, mm-hmm. great change is taking place. On the surface, it's all Saturn. It's all crumbling edifices mm-hmm. and dust all around us and watching out for debris falling on our heads. So while I like what you said, because at the same time that there is some fear involved to how much things are changing in society structurally and perhaps in our own lives, which is Saturn Mm -hmm. underneath the surface, there is new life that is formulating and will eventually burst forth. Mm. They say that Pluto was the god of the underworld, but he's the wealthiest of the gods because he had dominion over everything beneath the earth. So it's oil, Mm. it's diamonds, it's precious gems, Uh it's all of the things that really are very valuable. Yeah. So Pluto processes are more valuable than we give them credit for. Yeah. When clients come to me, they're afraid of their Pluto transits. And I understand that because none of us wants to change, or rather we all want to change, but we don't want to go through what you have to go through to really transform. Yeah. You know? The process can be difficult and challenging and life-changing. You would have not wished to have the accident that you had right? No. But we have to trust that it is taking your life in a direction that's ultimately really rich and really valuable, that it could not have gone down if that hadn't happened. But that's like Jupiter talking, right? Yeah. I would not have chosen to lose my father suddenly at a very young age. But because I did, I got different experiences. I got to experience more of the world than just staying on this little farm Mm -hmm. in southern Indiana. I got to move to the big city and and all of that. So Pluto processes are a bit that way, I think. They're the thing that, you know, Father, let this cut pass away from me because we don't want to go through what we know we have to get through to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. So that's why this has been a hard year. Yeah. And that this has been a scary combination we've all seen coming. Mm -hmm. Well, and interesting, too, that the Sabian symbol is two awards for bravery in war. So you mentioned the Saturn-Pluto piece, those two planets, but then also regarding the eclipse. The eclipse always has to happen with two planets, mm-hmm. or as I've pointed out, two <laughs> non-planets, the sun and the moon. <laughs> right. Astrologers call them planets. Oh, you're such a stickler with your Virgo planets, Jen. <laughs> well, but that takes us back to the prima donna singing, which I yeah, wanted so to I was actually circle back to. Those. Thank you. Yeah. Because think of a prima donna singing and you get that same thing of very flamboyant and calling attention to itself. The eclipse is the sound and the fury. It's the, in a way, the distraction. Hmm. That's the day of distraction. That's a let me look away from what's really going on inside of me, right? Because it's the earth casting a shadow on the moon. Right. So let me look away from all the stuff that's really going on inside me, if I possibly can. And it's like the lights go out and when they turn back on after an eclipse things have changed. Yeah, it's a little bit eerie. You know, if you go outside, if you're in a place of a lunar eclipse, and like I said, in our eclipse episode, we had a couple here that were real striking in the last couple of years, and they happened at night, and we'd go out and stand in the driveway and look up at them. And it Mm -hmm. it really is quite eerie as that moon turns redder and redder and redder. Yeah. And then eventually comes back and is so bright. And um, yeah, eclipses are really interesting. There's both solar and lunar eclipses, it's a kind of a creepy moment mm-hmm. when the light disappears. Right. 
whether it's the the light of the night or the light of the day, you're kind of losing your guiding light and you have to go inward and see what's in there to guide you. It's a little surreal. The territory is a little surreal. Yeah, it's a little creepy. So I'm sure we'll talk more about Saturn-Pluto mm-hmm. as as it all unfolds and we see what it brings to the world and to our lives in particular. But We've talked it to death, you know, the whole astrological world has talked this one to death. Right. And that's the distracting thing, too. If we talk about it enough, maybe we'll understand it, maybe we'll be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And I think these are the kinds of changes in our society, in our world, that it's hard to really prepare for. We're going into uncharted territory. Yeah. Bravery in war. Right. <laughs> Well, what do you think? Have we done it? I think we've done it. We've done it again. Episode number seven. <laughs> Yay. Well, <laughs> once again, we thank all of you for listening. We encourage you to take the world by storm in 2020 and take your life to the repair shop and honor the past in the little cracks and fissures that can't completely be healed. Sprinkle some gold dust in there. Yes. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single thrilling episode. We will see you again next week. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.